What's up, guys? Uh, welcome to the third episode of our podcast, T here. I'm going to be a little bit down right now just to start off because I literally sat here for probably about 15, 20 minutes now recording the podcast, and then somebody called, and it, it, it messed up the whole audio. So now I have to literally go over all my talking points over again. So if I miss anything or I, I, I feel like I didn't, spend enough time on a topic. My apologies. I'm just hurt that that just happened to I'm recording the podcast. Anyways, T here, back with a third episode of our podcast here, and I'm real excited to talk to you guys about finances and life. I got a life story for you guys about me being a amazing wingman and just a little sneak peek into our next episode. I will be having my buddy Terry on to record the podcast with us. And, you know, I got some questions lined up for him. We're going to talk about how we met, um, finances, life, and just being good friends, stuff like that. But uh, anyways, let's get straight to the market and we'll, we'll you know, talk about life and tell my story towards the end. Um Number one, since our last podcast, um, there was a big GameStop um, outbreak. Uh, outbreak, burst, boom, whatever you want to call it. So, for the people that don't know or couldn't understand what was going on with GameStop, well, pretty much, uh, which this, this isn't something new. It happens all the time. It's really a common thing in the stock market world. And it came out on Wall Street Bets, a Reddit uh, group on Reddit, you know, made it especially known. It's not hidden. It's not private information. It's very well known that these large companies and hedge funds that are in the stock market were shorting GameStop stock and shorting AMC and shorting all these other small you know, dying or already dead companies to make hundreds and thousands of dollars of profit on these companies that are, you know, going bad, you know, you know, pretty much they're feeding off the the soul of these dead companies, you know. These companies are dead, they're going out of business, they're struggling right now to put food on their family's table, probably you know, on the lower end, more than the bigger end, they're probably still doing relatively good uh, as executives of the company. But for the middleman and lower class, at least probably working with these companies, they're probably not doing too good. They're losing jobs, they're losing business, all that. Anyways, so Wall Street Bets decide to, hey, instead of you guys screwing over the, the little guy, we're going to make a pushback. And they're going to start pushing the, the stock up. And that's what it did. Because these companies were betting on the stock to go down. They're putting their bets. They're putting, uh, pretty sure it's put, uh, it's call and put options. Calls, I'm pretty sure, are the one that's going up. Puts are when it's going down. Usually you want to do a put when a stock is going down. Or a stop loss when the stock is going down. To either make profit or, you know, limit loss on any profit that you've gained. Anyways... They started to push it up, hype it up, push GameStop to the moon. And people started, the little guys, 
even the big guys, even, you know, as much as people were trying to, you know, protest and get to, you know, show that the little guy isn't going to lay down for big companies. These other big companies did just join the way, hey, hey, you guys are pumping it down. Well, guess what? We're going to throw our extra, you know, 100000 million dollars, just whatever they wanted into that. We're going to throw it up. It's going to go all the way to the moon, and I'm going to sell off. Boom. You guys made your little bit of money, but we're making a lot more money on our end. So that's why it, I felt like, was it smart? Yes, it showed that. It showed a lot of little people that they could get into the market and make a lot of money. But it also showed, um, it just showed me that, well, for me, that knows, uh, I've seen a glimpse into the other side. I haven't been on the other side, but I've seen the glimpse of some of the mindset. The big guys don't care. The big guys don't care because they're just like there's those companies that help fund wars from both sides and help fund conflicts from both sides. These companies do the same thing. Hey, yeah, you know, this company, they're shorting the stock. We're shorting the stock a little bit, but hey, you guys want to pump it up? We're just going to take our extra millions of dollars and throw it into why it's going up. Well, it's going down, you know, no matter what, going up or down, we're going to make money. So that's why I didn't feel like in the long run, it's not effective. A lot of those people probably not in the market to this day. You know, it's sad to say. Uh, and I understand it. it's a getting into the stock market, getting into the real estate market, getting into money, the understanding of money. And the economy in general has been difficult. I'm still learning stuff till this day. And I've been sitting here watching videos, reading books for months now. And it's still stuff that, you know, hey, I've learned a little bit about. But hey, I read this book and it goes even to even more depth about that topic, that subject. That uh, financial literacy word. That's what... I call it because it's it's a f- word specifically made for finances and learning these words and understanding them helps you in the long term and a lot of people don't want to take the initiative to keep learning like this is, you don't have to learn it you, you don't this isn't school I'm not nobody's forcing you to take a test on this stuff or learn this stuff so a lot of people don't and that's what you know, it's sad to say that's what keeps people grounded to where they're at in life. If you don't understand how the economy works, how the market works, how it can determine your life and your benefits in life, it, it, it hurts you as a person and it can even hurt your kids even more. In a uh, a fun little t- uh, video i seen, you know, pretty much explains the three generations of wealth and why it doesn't extend, typically doesn't extend three generations. Or why generational wealth can be stopped just because of one generation. Imagine you get the the top guy. You're, you, let's say you. You get wealthy. You understand your generational wealth. You no, you built a house, you built 
uh, two houses and you invested into them. You started your company and you invested into it. And you started making a lot of money off of it. But you really didn't teach your kids the the understanding of the business, the 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 financial requirements behind it, like you know, how much money you had to put down, how much money it took to remodel, to expand, to renovate, you know, how to manage money good, well, how to extend your money beyond your means. And so they just inherit. You die, they inherit all your money. Now they they don't know about how to take the money you gave them and keep it going. They don't have to take that money and grow it even more. So they just they're spending it. Either they're working a nine to five and now they just have an extra, you know, extra money in the bank account. Or whatever it is. And now they don't know. So when it gets to that third generation, their kids, your grandkids, now they don't your grandkids don't know nothing about it. They don't know where this money came from. They really don't even know how it was it was made and brought in. So now they blow it through it. Either your kids or your grandkids blow through all the money. And now that fourth generation, your great-grandkids, will have none of that money that you just brought in from your generation. And that can hurt a family. That can hurt a person. It, it really can. That's why I try to, uh, on my platform, I'm not even a platform to make me sound a little bigger than I am, but, you know, I try to, I don't try to throw it down people's throats on financial, literally see and understand the stock market, understand real estate, business, the economy, you know, how the the government plays under that and stuff like that. Because one, I don't want to, I'm not a person that, I'm not going to sit here and argue with someone that typically... I know doesn't understand what I'm talking about or what the other person is talking about or even what they're talking about. Some people have one way of thinking and they don't like to just, I'm not saying you have to change your mind and be open to everything and understand everything, but take the time to just listen, to uh, interact with another person's point of view, another way of thinking, or just outside or inside the box. Like, People have one way of thinking, and that's okay, but sometimes you just have to take a step back and just listen to what the other person's saying. You don't have to agree or disagree, you just have to listen and connect your points to their points, and you'll probably find something else and a better point of view on what you're thinking. What something they said could improve your argument, your uh, agenda. That's, you know, I feel like I'm going off a little rant, but that's my point of view on stuff like that. The market right now, since, was it, January uh, 21st, 22nd, Joe Biden came in, the market's been getting hit pretty hard this last month, month and a half. Uh, I'm still doing good, still doing up. Can't be mad. It makes me sad because looking at it right before... Joe Biden came into, you know, not came into office, but, you know, was sworn in, officially in office, and a little bit after, I was up, I was up nice, I was gaining more money than I had, you know, three months ago, in just one, two, three, 
days with the market being open. Like I was doing good. You know, look it up and look at look at my stocks that I'm up, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 bucks, you know, in the day. That was nice. And then now I even chipped away $44 negative. You know, I'm down $5, down $20, you know, up 30 down 40 Like, it's been hurting me, but I know at the end of the day, I'm still up. At the end of the day, I'm, I'm in it for the long run. Uh, like uh, Warren Buffett said, if I don't see myself uh, buying in and using this company for the next 10 years, I don't want to hold it for 10 minutes. I don't want no part of it. So, yes, I, I know I'm going to be good because I invested into Apple. Apple isn't going anywhere. Amazon ain't going nowhere. Uh, Microsoft, Sony. I buy these products every day. I use these products every day. Pepsi. That's a new one that I've invested into. Why? Because Pepsi is more than just a soda. They have uh, chips. Frito-Lays. Um, they have... Deli meats. Yeah, you go to the grocery store, I promise you, you probably don't notice it, but you probably at least buy one or two Pepsi, well, not branded product, but, like, the brand is under that umbrella of the Pepsi company. Same thing as Johnson & Johnson. They have medicine. They have all these other different medical companies underneath their umbrella, you know, and skincare, you know, hygiene, all that stuff falls under the Johnson & Johnson umbrella. They're not going anywhere. These are companies that I have large percentages of money into. Sony, you know, that's a tech company. Tech is the future. You know, Tesla, you know, Tesla is, I'll admit, I did watch one of my uh, recent, like, you know, financial Mindcast, Average Money Podcast with uh, J.J. Buckner and Brad Finn. Shout out to them. But Tesla is kind of driven by the, the hype. It is overpriced a little bit, but it is hype. Because Elon Musk is the face of that brand. When you think Tesla, you think the car, you think Elon Musk. Maybe, you know, if you really know Nikola Tesla, the, you know, inventor, scientist behind the name. Uh, but yeah, I don't think they're going anywhere time soon. Why? Because they're so diverse. Uh, you got Tesla, the car, Tesla, alcohol, Tesla, clothing, Tesla, you know, what else they make? Solar panels. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they got solar panels. You know, they put their brand. Even if they stop making cars, I feel like you could definitely slap their name onto a, a t-shirt and they're selling thousands and millions of t-shirts. You know, they're a brand. They can push it. Elon Musk is a good businessman, so he can, he can kind of push things in his uh, direction, which I'm not mad about. Anyways, so socks for me haven't been you know, too uh, up. They've been up, of course, but mostly I'm in a mood right now where it's like I keep my head down. 
Uh, I stay consistent in my investing because that's one thing I've learned and it motivates me, you know, investing. Even when down or bad, you know, just looking at the market is staying consistent. You hear all these stories of, hey, if you just stay consistent, you know, $10 a day or $300 a month or, you know, stuff like that over 10 years, you have this amount of money invested. With compound interest, you'll have, by the time you retire, you'll have, you know, half a million, three quarters of a million, um, over a million dollars, two million dollars, five million dollars. If you just stay consistent, of course, the bigger money you can keep putting out there to compound, the more money you'll get off in the long term, right? So that's what motivates me as an investor. And that's why I just I keep my head down. Hey, I'm a, I have my Robinhood account, which is more of my daily dividend account. And then I have my uh, Roth IRA account which I have through TD Ameritrade, which is, hold on, <coughs> clear my throat, but uh, sorry if you guys heard that. Uh, with my Roth IRA account, like I said, that's elite. I have a set amount of money, which, you know, eventually down the line, you know, when I'm making a little bit more money at my job, I want to put more money, more monthly, weekly dividend, not dividend, but like, you know, uh, was it in to the account and just makes it a lot easier. I can max it out shorter. So now I have more money that I'm not putting into my Roth anymore. Because for you guys that don't know, a Roth RA is kind of like a traditional 401k, but the long-term benefits of it are pretty nice. With a traditional 401k that you would probably get from a company, um, you know, you put your money in, and when it's time to retire, and you take that money out, you have to pay a tax on it. A lot of people probably don't know that, but yes, the money that you put in for your 401k, yeah, you don't get taxed on it now, but when you want to pull it out, you got to get taxed on it. It's taxed. Boom. So, with a with a um a Roth IRA, you pretty much you put the money in every year you get taxed on that money that you put in because you get taxed on it, whatever it is. But now with any gains that you get off of that money, it's tax free, compounding, just compounding, compounding, compounding over the years. So when I go to retire and I pull that money out it's already taxed. So whatever I pull out is my money. Isn't that nice? I think, and with that, you can pull out your money at any time. Let's say you have, uh, let's say you have 15, 20, $25,000 invested over the last couple of years. Roth array is limited it maxes out at $6,000 a year. So you can only put $6,000 in every year. But say, you know, a few years from now, you want you need to pull some money out for your wedding or your, your kid's wedding or whatever it is. 
you can only pull out that initiate uh, money that you've put in. You can't pull out any of the money that you've gained off the account. But, you know, and then there's like a grace period on adding that amount of money back into their account for it to still carry over over time, all that. You know, if you want to really get into it, you can research it. All the information is there out there for you. But it's what I've learned about it before I invest into it and create an account. And then my daily, day, my day-to-day dividend stocks on my Robinhood account are, you know, pretty much roughly the same stuff I have in my Roth IRA account. It's just I'm able to look at it. In my Roth, I have a set amount of money. It goes into the account. I dividend it up to the companies that I've, you know, just, you know, invest into, and I don't look at it. I don't look at if I've made a bunch of money on it because it's all stock. So I don't know if I made money on it, you know, or anything. I know I have a set amount. Either I gain a bunch, you know, I lose a little bit of profit, but I'm always going to have a set amount in that account. But with my day-to-day dividend one, it's just risky, more risky stuff. Probably not super risky, but still risky. It's still my, you know, companies that I'm going to take a gamble on, turn a profit. I'm able to watch the market a little bit more on my Robinhood. Not the best, but, you know, I still watch it a lot, you know. And I like to just see my overtime growth, to see where I was at, you know, when I started to where I'm at now. And my knowledge, it interests me. It's something that just interests me, keeps me motivated. And to move out of stocks, I want to talk about real estate. My real estate goals, because that's something I probably don't think I've talked about much to anybody, is my ideas of real estate, owning a house, owning multiple properties and houses and stuff like that. And how that could be another way for me to, to generate generational wealth over time. And to potentially be um, financially free and to be retire early is one thing I want to do eventually, you know, once I have, you know, a lot of money in my bank account, is to do um, partnership uh, ownership and properties. Come together with, you know, friends, family you know, acquaintances and my networking because your network is your, your, your net worth is your network. The people you know can really generate the money that you bring in. That's fact. So my idea is, you know, once I have a lot of money, uh, go, go to friends and family that I know have, you know, their money put aside or the money available to say, hey, I just found this property. Um, it's this, you know, this amount of money, it's, uh, $250,000 property, you know, it's in this neighborhood. If we buy it right now for the down payment of $40,000, we could have a monthly mortgage of this and we rent it out for this and we could just split up the profits of after you pay off the mortgage. So, you know, the mortgage is, let's say, 
mortgage on this house is seventeen thousand. No, let's say let's say fifteen. Let's go just around strict straight number fifteen hundred. I said fifteen thousand first time, but fifteen hundred, right? And we rent it out for eighteen hundred. That's a three hundred dollar profit. Both of us went in on it, so you get one fifty, I get one fifty every month. At the end of the year, that's what roughly about fifteen hundred each, roughly by you know by about two thousand, little under two thousand, fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars a year, just off this one property. Now let's say we went, you know, half or you know we bring in a third or fourth partner, which you know that lessens your money, but the more money. I put up and you put up, you know, we can match it and, you know, more money for us, right? And, you know, we go on a, a duplex because now that's, you know, instead of $300 for making a month, we're making $600, you know, that, that can help both of us. You know, my eventually is a plan to, you know, set it up as a company thing where we can bring in you know, different people to help them pretty much build up their real estate portfolio. Now you're making an extra, you know, every month, you know, you could put up a little bit of money, do, 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 do. And every month you could eventually invest into us. We'll match whatever your investment is. And you'll get that money back in uh, rental properties, if you know what I'm saying. Like, I just broke it down to you guys, you know. And that brings generational wealth. Now you're you're still working your job, but you you gave me the money. We invested into the property. Now you get an extra, you know, one fifty a month, two hundred, three hundred dollars that you weren't normally getting a month, added on to whatever you can pay at work. Tell me that wouldn't be smart. Now imagine if, you know, you go to retire now and. Now, you're going off of your retirement. You say, "Hey, you know, I got fifteen thousand in the bank right now. You give me fifteen thousand, I match it. That's thirty thousand. We go on another property. Boom! Now you're making. You know, what if we go into a smaller market? You know, Minnesota, Missouri, like Midwest. You find a lot of properties where rent is, you know." Thirteen, fourteen, maybe fifteen thousand dollars, but you get the mortgage easily for a thousand dollars, twelve hundred. You know now you're making three, four, five, six hundred dollars profit. Plus, on we remember twenty years ago, you decided to give me a couple thousand dollars, and we went in on a property then. Now you're now you're getting money that hey, I'm getting a thousand dollars a month, and I'm retired. I'm gonna go on a I'm gonna go on a trip with my family. And I, when I come back, I'm still going to have that money coming in. And that's something I want to do to help me, help, you know, some friends and family and just acquaintances build up generational wealth for them, for their kids, all that. And help people just educate them on, hey, you can make money without working long term for you and your kids. That's something I... That motivates me the best. I want to be able to, when I'm in my 30s and 40s, 
I don't, I don't, I don't have to work. I can choose to work. And that's what I've learned from some of the millionaires that I've read their books, listened to their, you know, you know, uh, what's it called, seminars and stuff like that. Hey, I, I was making millions of dollars. I was in a startup company. I sold it. So I to go to Hawaii for a year with my family. And I realized, hey, I miss working. I miss being in the office, helping people better their companies. So you know what I did? After a year of sleeping on the beach in Hawaii and dripping mimosas with my family and playing golf every day, hey, I decided to go back to New York and I want to start getting right back into real estate. I want to get back into start um, helping companies with their startups and to go public. Hey, people, millionaires do it a lot. That's why you see some of those millionaires that are, you know, million billionaires still in the office every day because they love working. Because they don't, they don't have to, but they choose to. That's what I, a point in time that I want to come to in my life when I can choose. Hey, I can go in the office right now and work. Or, hey, I can go to my kid's baseball game. I can go to my, my daughter's dance recital. Hey, I can go to theme park with my family and spend time with my family, go on vacation when I want to. That's that's a, that's a dream I want as a 30, 40 year old man to do stuff with my family. Hey, uh, you know, my car broke down. I'm not too worried about how I'm gonna pay for the fix it. I just go fix it. That's the stuff I, I, I worry about and I think about and it motivates me to do better and want better, if you know what I'm saying. So, yeah, you guys just heard my idea. Well, it's not my idea. People do it all the time. There's there's companies out there now that, hey, you put up $10,000 right now. We'll match that $10,000, and we'll put it towards some of our rental properties that we're looking at right now. And every month, we'll send you a check in the mail or, you know, straight to your bank account, whatever, you know, percentage amount that we agreed on in the real estate. Well, there's people that do, hey, uh, I help you put down and find the property and I get a small cut of the profit, stuff like that. Also, real estate, uh, real estate wholesaling, which is a very interesting. If you really get good at it, you can make a lot of money. The hard thing about that is getting out of it. Yeah, you could cut a deal for $20,000, $30,000 easily. But if you want to stop doing it, now you're stopped bringing in ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars easily. But it's all about what you could do with that money to generate wealth still coming in. And a lot of people don't, a lot of people do. It's all on how you educate yourself, I guess you could say. But anyways, guys, let's get into my story about me being a good wingman. Used to be a good wingman. I don't know how good I am now. But this is flashback to I used to live in Florida. In my little neighborhood there was like a little community pool, right? So I I think I went out grocery shopping or to the beach or something with my family, with my mom and my, my cousins and stuff. So I came back, I see my friends, you know, hanging out at the pool, you know, swimming around and shit. And there's these girls swimming with them. It looked like they were like 
annoying the girls or hanging out with the girls or whatever. I see some cute girls. Instantly had to hop on it. Like, hey, what's going on over here, boy? And they introduced me. You know, I'm playing it real cool. I was like, this is my year. This is my summer after freshman year of high school. So I'm about 15 at that time. I'm 15. My younger friend, he's, I think he's 13, about to be 14. I think he's about to start high school or whatever. But, you know, we're all hanging out at the pool. There's these two weird kids that lived in the neighborhood. They're like brothers and sisters. But they were kind of, they're that weird. Like, I might want to say incest, but they were kind of weird. Like, they would, you know, they're always together. They were taking showers together. Like, rumored, rumored we were kids. You know, rumors spread. But they were kind of weird. They were a weird group. They were a weird brother-sister dynamic. Real weird. Anyways, they're all kind of, like, hanging out, I guess. And these girls are just in the area of visiting and shit. Like, they're just visiting with their family and stuff. So we're like, hey, you know, show you around and stuff and like that. And in our little neighborhood area, there's, like, a place called The Hub. And it had, like, karaoke nights and you could rent it out for like karaoke you know different parties birthday parties stuff like that they have like board games and pool table and like a tv and a big dining room area popcorn machine all this cool stuff right karaoke machine so we'd just be in there we're like hey we're gonna take it down to the hub we really weren't supposed to be in there with our adults but it was like a weird point of the year but nothing was going on down there. They weren't having anything down there. So we are like, hey, the kids can go down and hang out. Older kids. We're older. We're all in high school, middle school and stuff. We're old enough, right? So like, hey, you know, you should come hang out with us down at the hub tonight. And the weird two little kids are like, oh, we can't. Like, our parents don't want Like, we, we want to invite you. I was inviting the cute girls. Hey, come hang out with us, blah, 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 blah. You know, I'm really trying to work it for me. And it was three girls. It was me and my friend John and these three girls. I can't remember one of their names. I remember two of their names. It was Heather and it was Sarah. Sarah, Heather, and Shelby. I'm going to say, yeah, Shelby, Sarah, and Heather. I think that's what their names were. One was, they're both two, the two older ones were the same age as me. They just happened to be friends. Like, she brought her friend along on a family trip. So Shelby and Sarah were both my, the same age as me, 15. And then her younger sister, Heather. I think they're in it. Oh, say Heather. Yeah. Heather, she was uh, the same age. She was a year older than my friend John. So she was 14. He was 13. She was 14. They were both 15. So they're like all kind of around the same age group, right? So we're hanging out down there. We got the little radio thing they had down there, playing karaoke, pretending like we're singing and shit. And I started putting my friend John out with the, her little sister. Like it was Shelby and Heather. There was like sisters. So I'm trying to get them like, you know, kind of go off into their own little area and, you know, do their thing. I could just focus on the two main older girls, right? Like, if they liked me, they liked me. If not, we're just here for a good time, right? But I know she 
kind of liked him, but, you know, we're young, so we're kind of shy and stuff like that. And I kept, like, getting him. I, I got them into this little room together, and they are hanging out. And she was trying to hang out with him. Like, she was all for hanging out with him. Like, I was hyping him up. And he just kept, like, coming out when I, like, talked to me. No, don't talk to me, bro. I got you a moment. This is a cute girl. Like, she's a little bit younger than me, so I wasn't, you know, worried about her. But this is a cute girl. She had long, silky brown hair, blue eyes. Like, this is a cute girl, bro. He was a little bit on the, you know, the chunky side. So, like, come on, bro. This is this is you right here. I got you set up. You just kind of knocked it out the park. I'm not talking about anything crazy. You could handhold, kiss, hug, something. This is your girl, bro. Go get your girl, bro. So, anyways, I talking to the one girl. I found out uh, her friend Sarah. She had like a boyfriend or whatever. So I was worried about the girl Shelby. She seemed cool. She looked damn near like her sister. Long, silky brown hair, beautiful blue eyes. She had a little bit of, you know. She was she was packing back there. She had a little bootay, if you could say. And you know, we we all still in our swimsuits still. Keep in mind, we're all still in our swimsuits and stuff. So, you know, I'm chopping it up. We're having a good time. They, I was a life of the party, bro. I'm doing karaoke. I was singing in. Uh, what was the hit song that I kept singing? It was like a hot song about the moment. It was, it was like that. Woke up Saturday morning, fresh out of bed, and put on my fresh suit. Something, something, and he's talking about talking to his girlfriend's dad. Like, I want to marry your daughter, but why you gotta be so rude? Don't you know I'm human too? But so I'm singing that. We're all having a blast, singing country songs, all that. I was a little fake because, like, oh, you know, I don't even listen to, you know, all that type of music. I love me some country. Like, they seem like they're really into country music. So I'm really leaning into, hey, I really love me some country music, partner. So anything to get the girl, right? Anything to get the girl. And everything was going good. It was just my friend just kept messing it up. Like, I got you, her sister, probably on a good day. Like, probably really, really wouldn't, like, talk to you, bro. Like, I didn't want to be mean. Like, it wasn't really mean. Like, if you look at him now, he's a cool-ass dude now. Like, he lost some weight. He's he's kind of buff. Got tatted up. Always posted pictures of all these big-ass guns, shooting, hunting, all that shit. Cool-ass dude now. But at the time, you know, he was a short, chubby kid that, you know, you know, wasn't pulling a lot of girls. I wasn't pulling a lot of girls, but... I was super shy. I'm a super shy, quiet kid. But I'm, I'm helping you out, bro. I'm helping you get the girl, bro. You guys could have got married and everything. And it just it didn't work out for his part. The girls kind of hung out with him a little bit. But they ended up like not really wanting to hang out with him unless I was around. And I felt bad because I ended up getting sick the next day. Like I was... I was miserable. I had, like, a cold or something. But, you know, I tried to, you know, hang out and try to, you know, be sick, keep my distance, and still, like, hype him up, bro. Because you, you're the guy, bro. I'm here for you, bro. I'm here for myself, too, because I've seen some cute girls. I try to get on them. But that's the story of my wingman story.
I almost I, I got my friend a cute girl out of his league at the time. And now now I don't know where they're at in life. I don't know where he's I I don't know where he's at in life. I don't know where they're at in life, but he's at in life where I'm at in life. Imagine if they would have got married, bro. We would have had he would have had the younger sister. I would have had the older sister. Imagine that. Just imagine. Anyways, guys. I got some stories to tell. So I'll probably just keep telling them every couple podcasts. But I'm gonna wrap it up, guys. Thanks for watching. This is probably a long podcast. I think this is the longest podcast. Forty minutes. But don't forget to, you know, show some support. You know, tell your friends about the podcast. Really appreciate it. Um Hopefully you guys enjoy the next episode with me and my boy Terry. Come on, talk about life, friendship, and, you know, what's it like being uh, on Las Vegas um, pimp and, you know, telling me his life story. Anyways, guys, catch you guys in the next episode. Thank you for watching.